Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Abert podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now let's get down to business. So we're back with season seven. And as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms where you listen to your podcast. And this year, we're so excited to announce a new partnership with Business Radio X. So welcome to all of our new listeners. So to start off the first episode of this new season, we wanted to get back to, to some of the conversation that we've had with uh, two of our colleagues, uh, Lisa Billings and William Dow within our uh, tax department here at Warren Averett. And there's a lot of uncertainty that's going on in the markets. There's a lot of uncertainty that businesses are having to respond to. And so I think this is a great way to kick off the season is to get back into this and, and see what has happened, see what we are expecting and, and see kind of what those factors are that are shaping decisions that businesses have to make going forward. Yeah. So, Paul, we just decided, you know, what better way to get the season kicked off than the exciting topic of potential tax changes. But you're going to walk away with some really interesting facts and also some action items on what you can be doing now to prepare for things that we think are to come. And so today we have joining us again, William Dow and Lisa Billings, both members in our tax department and experts on this subject. And we are really excited to have you both here. So welcome back, William and Lisa. Thank you. Glad to be back for another year of exciting tax work. <laughs> yes. Glad to be back on the wrap. Yeah. So maybe it's a good place to start just by, you know, I read the taxpayer advocate report reported that the IRS is so short staffed that they only had one person working for every 16,000 calls. Yes, Kim, that, that is a good place to start because it's always been an ongoing issue because, you know, the IRS is charged with, you know, whenever there's a new tax law, they're in charge with enforcing the new law, coming out with the new regulations, you know, and then enforcing it. And generally, they don't have the manpower to, you know, even handle what they have. So if you take that, you take COVID, put those to, you know, just those two has put them behind so much. We had different filing dates over the last two years that there's just such a backlog. It's the point now where we're even just, we're reluctant to call at times because you can be on hold for four or five hours waiting to try to get through to somebody. Uh, there's another situation that what we're hearing is that, that that a lot of tax returns are just sitting stacked up on floors at the IRS because they're so behind processing them. So they're now kicking out notices. And so we're, we're seeing taxpayers receive IRS notices left and right for assessments saying, you know, you know, either you didn't file your return or we have not processed your payment, you owe this money, such that Congress has now come out and is asking the IRS put a, I think it's a six month moratorium on sending out these auto generated notices because they're causing so much problem that's out there. Uh, the IRS is uh, what you call the, the manager kind of group came back with so much of a response kind of fighting back a little bit, but it will be interesting to see how, how that interplays. With all of those issues, there was a lot of conversation about the, the bills that were coming do in the Senate and the House trying to look at new tax policy. And there were some things that were that were in the policy. There were some things that as, as people were planning for the year end and looking to the coming year, a lot of uncertainty that they had to respond to. But uh, there's a lot of things that were in that bill that that people were looking at. And I just want to kind of have a conversation now, Lisa and William, on what were people expecting with the bill? And what actually came through on the on the new bills that have been around these last couple months? 
Well, there was a lot of expectation that there would be an increase in tax rates. I think that was the overall across the board from the time, you know, while we were in the presidential election all the way through 21, there was just a lot, a huge assumption that we would end up with higher tax rates across the board. And what was interesting was as Congress was really starting to develop these bills, you know, they had the infrastructure bill that passed, they started with the American Rescue Plan that turned into the Build Back Better Plan. You know, as these bills developed, they, they realized that there were two senators in particular who really kind of put a stop on some of these increases. And so at the end of the day, nothing got passed, which is very interesting, but you can kind of look and see, okay, there were some things that everybody agreed on. And what was interesting was no across the board tax increases was one of the things that ended up in the bill, but there were some very targeted increases as far as for high income individuals. You know, if you had adjusted gross income over 25 million, it was an 8% surcharge on your taxes. Corporations, you know, they put it, they revived the corporate AMT. Of course, it didn't get passed, but it was agreed upon. So that's something that was actually removed a couple years ago in the big tax reform bill that potentially could be coming back into play. And part of that also goes into kind of the, the global tax policy because they have made, you know, President Biden has agreed to some global tax provisions with other leaders. And, and some of these provisions were in the bill um, that really need to happen to meet the requirements of this agreement that they have made. Yeah, Lisa, that, that's a great point. And I think that, you know, one thing our listeners should come away with is that it was a year of a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion. But as you pointed out, there were some provisions that they seemed to agree on. You know, I would characterize last year, 2021, as probably the year of the most confusion and uncertainty that we've seen because most people early in the year fully expected to see tax increases. In fact, in the spring of last year, when President Biden came out with what's called his Green Book, which is, which is his proposal, uh, it's kind of like his wish list of items that he wants to see uh, tax changes. One that was in there was, a, was an increase, the capital gains tax rate. What was had everyone really scared was, is that based on the wording, it had an effective date of when that green book was published back in the spring. So all of a sudden, you had people realizing, I may have missed the window. Then that kind of started being moved around. So we saw more activity last year uh, in the MA world people doing transactions, trying to get them done before there could be a potential capital gains increase. So that's really good to hear you guys kind of break down because there was a lot of confusion, right? It started with one bill, then it broke down into two bills, and then one bill got through and the other one is kind of stalled out. And And you you spoke to, you know, some of the things that that did change, but there's also, it seems like a lot of things that are agreed on that we maybe could be preparing ourselves for to be in an in an upcoming bill. So what are those things? What are the things that that they agreed on that we should expect to come through in some form, you know, in the near short term? I think uh, you know, the key things would be a, you know, a corporate AMT, kind of a minimum tax on corporations. There will probably be some type of individual tax rate increase, not as high as they were looking at. They're probably going to do it more through these kind of surtaxes, we call it, on um, higher earning taxpayers. 
where there could be an additional 5% age out over 10 million, another 3% of you over 25. So as Lisa said earlier, you could have an extra 8% if you're over 25 million. You know, that'd impact a lot of people, but, you know, it does have a pretty wild, you know, pretty widespread impact across the nation. And if we see an increase, anything in the capital gains rate, and, and that's one that keeps kind of getting stalled. Another thing to point out is that, you know, with all these bills that they tried to pass that didn't, it shows what you call the power of one. The people that are really behind the Build Back Better bill says that the CBO has really missed the, missed the mark. They've missed the calculations simply because they don't think that they have factored in the revenue that's going to be raised by the IRS from increased enforcement actions. Think about that for a minute. And it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about, you know, going after these abusive tax shelters, going after high, high income taxpayers. And we're seeing that they've increased the audits on individual taxpayers. It will be interesting to see because I, I really think that it's right now it's set up for the perfect storm on what's going to happen between any tax legislation and how the IRS is going to try and implement it. Lisa, I want to go back to something that William talked about a moment ago, which was the, the M&A deals. We saw an increase. We saw a ramp up at the end of, of 21 uh, related to that. For the people who didn't get in that piece and, and they're still considering Hey, maybe I need to do this, or maybe this is something I need to think about. You know, it's 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 one of those things. We, and we've had lots of we've had several podcasts with some of our other colleagues around M and A deals and what you need to do to prepare for those and prepare early and not late. And it can't be a rush for you. But from a tax perspective, from a what is expected, what is coming, what would you say to those business owners from an M and A perspective uh, if they're still thinking about that and they didn't kind of get it in before the end of twenty one? I say you still go ahead and think about it. I, I'm a big fan of, obviously, you don't want the tax tail to wag the dog, but you do, you, you do want to go ahead and look at it because you could potentially structure a deal to keep your AGI down below these thresholds. You know, we've talked, I've talked to several business owners who were looking at exits and could possibly structure a multi-year deal so that each year their income would be below these, these, you know, surcharge thresholds. So then that could help them plan and get the most benefit out of the transaction. So, so there are things to consider, um, but definitely I think that it's go ahead, see, you know, if you're thinking about going down the M&A route, go ahead and see what's out there and then see if there is a way to structure the deal. Because the good news is, as of right now, it looks like there won't be an across the board raise in, in capital gain rates. Then it's just structuring around things like these surcharges or you know, possibly some increased Obamacare pieces. If, if, if there's no expected, and, and I know we're saying expected, if there's no expected increase in those capital gains, then then maybe if you still want to do the deal, do it, but don't rush into it, right? Like, like there is still take your time now is kind of what you're also saying is you definitely don't want to, everybody was maybe trying to rush into things before year end. Some of them happened, some of them didn't. Uh, and maybe that's not something they need to think about, you know, kind of going forward. Absolutely. I, I think the good news is for the time being, the the fear of an increased capital gains rate, I think is off the table, um, at least for a little while. And so I, I say, take your time, make sure the deal's right, get the good economic deal, and then, then try to fit it in to get the best tax benefits. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. 
Now, back to the show. So, William, we started with the state of the IRS and we talked about some of the challenges that they're facing, but there's also some some changes that the IRS is rolling out right now. What are some things that we need to be on the lookout for? Well, some some um, some tax items that are new for this year that taxpayers need to look at. You know, one is um, research and experiment expenses. Previously, taxpayers could deduct those. Now they must capitalize them and amortize them over 60 months. And if it relates to foreign expenditures, that's over over a 15-year period. So that's a big change there for a lot of taxpayers. Um, That's also an area that's been a lot of lobbying going on, hopefully trying to get that changed. The carried interest legislation has been enacted where, you know, going after these carried interests that like a lot of private equity funds, et cetera, get, you know, for the managers, um, a three-year holding period that's required there. And a small one that doesn't get a lot of attention is for these exempt tax-exempt organizations for um, compensation over a million dollars, there'll now be a basically a penalty surcharge imposed on them. So, you know, those are just some of the items that are out there that are kind of new. One that's expired that basically benefited a lot of taxpayers was the deduction that non-itemizers could take for charitable contributions. In other words, you know, a single could take $300 just straight deduction for charitable contributions without having to itemize, but that's now expired. So it'll be interesting to see whether that that comes back or not. All right. So what are some things, Lisa and William, as we as we look to this year, what do we need to be on the lookout for? What do we need to be doing to prepare? So so one thing that we could be on that's on the horizon that that is more of a state issue, but it is something that we're seeing across the country is, you know, back a couple of years ago, tax reform, they put a limit on the deductibility of state taxes uh, for individuals. So a lot of states right now, I know Alabama has one effective for 21, Georgia has one effective for 22. A lot of states have created what they call a business entity tax for pass-through entities that allows pass-through entities to basically pay state taxes and deduct them on the return. And so it is a new concept out there that is something that can be very beneficial for some for businesses and is something that people need to be looking into because each, you know, right now I believe we're about 18 or 19 states that have passed um, this type of, of tax option that can really be beneficial. But each state's laws, of course, are a little different and something that you have to really consider if it if it makes sense for you. We've, we've talked a lot about federal and state tax laws or requirements or, you know, potential issues, but let's, let's, let's go a little bit higher and let's talk a little bit more global. You know, what are some of the other economic decisions that are out there? What are some of the other factors related to economics that we need to, that businesses need to be considering when thinking about how do I plan for the future and, and how do you you know, there's, there's a ton of them. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about taxes, if we're talking about the, the labor market, or if we're talking about anything else related to how a business is run, the economy and those factors are going to play a part. So William, what is the short list of those items that you think uh, the listeners need to be aware of? Uh, yes, Paul, that's a good point. Um, because, you know, we tend to look at this kind of micro, you know, what are very specific things here in the U.S., specific rules. But really, where we're now looking at it, it's more of a macro approach. What's going on? Big picture things that can trickle down and affect taxes. I was kind of give you a list of things that, that we think people need to look at, you know, 
One is inflation. You know, right now we have the highest inflation rate we've had in 40 years. I think it's a blip, but inflation is going to drive prices. It's going to drive cost of salaries, et cetera. They can impact businesses. So that can have a strong impact on it. Um, as we all know, the prolonged COVID issues that are out there has caused a lot of problems. And as we've seen, there've been a lot of tax issues that have come out of that, a lot of tax credits, PPP program, items such as that. So COVID has been a very big one. Um, you know, the, the fractured geopolitical climate that's out there, U.S. and Russia, what's going on with Ukraine. The big one is U.S.-China. You know, there's so many issues there. You know, we talked about doing sanctions against China. Where do we get a lot of our goods right now from China? Who are the, Who was one of the largest holders of U.S. debt? China. They could get back at us on that um, with issues that can impact tariffs, that can impact um, taxes in foreign countries. So, those, so there again, those policies you have to look at. One thing in the background that a lot of people aren't aware of is, you know, digitalization of everything, you know, not just U.S. wide, but worldwide. You know, how, do that, how does that get taxed? And so they have an uh, organization for economic cooperation and development, basically um, had a digital tax project that I think around 130 countries signed on to that's going to be effect in 2023. And so that's where basically they're going to try and have a uniform tax policy across the world for a digital digital business. Well, that raises questions. You know, how do you measure that? You know, you have to have good record keeping. You have to know, you know what you did in different countries, et cetera. So you have to look at that. The supply chain issues, as we all know, you know, how many of us, how many times have you gone to the store and want something and they're out of it? You can't get products, whatever. Another big one we're seeing is the corporate governance and the focus on environmental, social, and governance issues. And Paul, I know you've spoken a lot, had a lot of you know, presentations on that. And generally in tax, that's not something we've really ever, ever really thought about, worried about, because that to us is more of a big picture kind of global thing. But that's really coming to the forefront that we're seeing. And that's going to raise questions in the tax area. You know, you know one, you know, how do you measure it? Especially, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the carbon footprint, things like that. That gets into record keeping. That can say, how do you measure it? How does that affect your um, operations in different locales? It can then impact your tax rates and tax impacts in those states and countries and territories. So that's really rising probably to the forefront on a lot of these because we're going to see that that's going to be a big measurement thing. And they will probably start being tax laws enacted around that about how effective companies are in that area. And ESG is one of those topics that people want to talk about. Some people want to talk about it. Some people don't. And, the, and they're very staunch on which side they want to, to do that. But from an ESG perspective, and now I've got another podcast for you, William, you're going to be my guest for an ESG podcast, because um, there are a lot of companies are saying, look, whether I believe in ESG or not, or I believe what they are, what, what it's requiring, I have to be responsive to the market and I have to be responsive to my, my customers and my employees and my vendors and my industry, or I'm not going to be playing in that space. And so it's one of those where it's definitely a, a new topic, but I would argue that, you know, 25 years ago, if there was a, if there was a religious organization that's, that had an investment policy that said, we are not going to invest any of our dollars in these types of businesses, that was the beginning of the ESG piece in the, in the conversation. And, and now it's grown into more of how do you run your business on a, on a daily basis? And I, you know, ESG is becoming more global, right? So even, even the IFRS um, foundation is establishing the international sustainability 
standards board, and they're going to try to create a global standard for ESG that that people will need to follow. Obviously, there's no requirements, no regulations for businesses to do so other than just being responsive uh, to the market, like I said. So definitely a, a hot topic that could drive drive things from a global perspective. Y'all talked about global tax uh, a couple times today, and, and it's, that's definitely something that will factor into it. Yeah, you know, Paul, it's just like, you know, Lisa said earlier, and we, we, said, we always said this, you never let the tax tail wag the dog. But what I'm concerned about is we may start seeing the ESG tail wagging the dog because that is such a hot button. And I've, I've read where several large, you know, corporate C, you know, public CEOs have come out and said that that is what their focus is for the coming year. You're, you're starting to see you're starting to see uh, chief governance officers, chief sustainability officers within organizations. Um, I've seen one organization come out and say we have somebody that is focused on ESG and the tax perspective of it. Right. So just every angle of ESG could be analyzed or could could have an effect on on businesses. But definitely the, the tax piece would would be would be interesting. Well, we're, William and Lisa, we always try to wrap it up here in 60 seconds or less. So in terms of the conversation of 2022 and where we are in the uncertainty of taxes and managing your business, how would you wrap it up for our listeners today? I think that we're going to definitely see some changes this year. So be on the outlook for that. I know that President Biden really wants to get some bill passed by uh, his State of the Union address is what he's hoping. You know, this is the year of midterm elections. And looking back, you know, fact I read the other day is since 1978, there's only been one time that, it, that an incumbent, when you had an incumbent president, that his party did not lose seats in the midterm. And that was with Bush right after 9-11. So it's just interesting to see that, you know, based, based on that and based on just history, what this tells us is, is that the Democratic Party will probably lose a lot of seats and you could see a change in the balance of power. And if we see that and then the, and more Republicans coming into more power, you'll see a total, I think we see a total shift in tax policy. And a lot of these things that Lisa and I've been talking about could fall off the board and it, it could be very, very quiet and unproductive year. You know, I think that really it's going to be interesting to see how the, how much they can get done before the midterms. Um, and, and I do expect something, maybe in small pieces compared to what they tried to push through last year. But at the same time, there will be some changes as the year goes on. And it, it's just going to be something that we watch to see how much Washington can actually agree. That's a, that's a great point, Lisa. And like I said earlier, you know, you know, they're basically coming to Senator Manchin and saying, tell us what you want. And because we'll, we'll basically we'll do it because we want to pass the bill. So it, you, you had a great point. We will probably see something. It'll just be interesting to see what they finally agree on. Who knew West Virginia was so powerful? Who would have known? (laughs) (laughs) Well, William and Lisa, it's always great talking with you. Always love to hear what's, what's coming in terms of tax changes. And I'm pretty sure we'll probably hear from you again this year. Um, depending on how things shake out. So thanks well, for I'm, your time. I'm definitely bringing William back for ESG and cybersecurity because I think that's I think he's got a, a, a new thing that he needs to jump into. Well, I'll look forward to it. And, and hopefully we'll have another podcast on tax with a little more good news for you. Great to see you, William and Lisa. Thank you for inviting us. We always enjoy it. Yes, I always enjoy sitting down with the two of you and having a good talk. It's been fun. Thank you all. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. 
visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.